Hello and welcome to the Replatform Project. Uh, I'm flying solo again today as James is still on holiday. Um, and today I'm joined by Brian Mahoney um, from Cord, a really exciting new e-commerce platform. Um, Brian, to start off with, maybe can you give us a bit of an introduction to yourself? I was really impressed with your background, maybe, yeah, kind of where you've come from and then uh, Cord and the product. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for for having me. Uh, I've been trying to get this on the books for a while, so it's it's great to finally be sitting down and, and doing this. Um, a bit about me. So, you know, where have I come from? Uh, I mean, first, maybe most importantly, I'm Canadian. I like to to start off with that. A Canadian now living in the United States. Um, the first part, like the majority of my career, was spent on the agency side of things. So. In the late 90s, I started an agency that was really focused on, on both design and development, sort of sort of fell into it, actually, um, at a time when back then you didn't have designers and developers working alongside of one another um, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. The types of agencies that existed in the world were, were very much a design-focused agency that would hand something off to an integration partner to sort of build, make it pixel perfect, if, if you will even though there wasn't necessarily pixel perfect way back then. And my business partner and I, a, a gentleman named Alex Nemiroff, uh, who I met in business school, we we sort of, he was more design um, focused and I was more development focused. We decided to partner up. And that's how we sort of like fumbled our way into this idea of putting design and development together uh, sort of under one roof. And so we started a, a small agency that quickly grew um, and sort of like developed a name for itself in working with primarily early stage venture backed startups in the consumer tech space. And even more specifically than that, and the, the sort of the later stages of our um, company's history, had developed a, a reputation uh, as being like the go-to agency for brands that were moving into what was being uh, becoming known as digitally native commerce or or direct to consumer commerce. And so, at that agency, sort of had an opportunity to lead largely development efforts. Um, became over time the sort of fractional CTO for these early stage companies, helping them figure out what sort of technology platform they should be building their businesses on, how they could use technology to build better brands, have better conversations, et cetera, et cetera. Had an opportunity to work with an, an, a, just a, a stable of amazing brands that have gone on to do really incredible things. Um, one of those brands that I had an opportunity to work with in, in early 2014 was a, a direct-to-consumer beauty company um, called Glossier. And so met um, Emily Weiss, who was the founder and CEO, um, and Henry Davis, who had recently been hired to uh, be both president and chief operating officer. And it was Henry's sort of first day on the job. And his, his sort of mission number one was find an agency that was going to be their design and development partner. So who could help bring this Emily's vision of, of Glossier to life? Um, that's how they met us. Uh, we sort of connected through some other brands that we had worked on um, that we had sort of referenced well for. and. A, a relationship was created. And, and so a few weeks after that, those sort of initial set of phone calls, Emily and Henry came to Montreal, where I was still based, and re, we ran a week-long design sprint that sort of like really set the foundation for uh, what would become the very first version of Glossier.com. That was back in April of 2014 when we first met. Um, Glossier itself launched to, to the world in October of 2014. 
And that's where my career took a little bit of a pivot. So after nearly 15 years of being on the agency side of things, and after supporting Glossier's launch and the business from the, the agency side for the first six months, had an opportunity to join their team on a full-time basis. And so I, I left the agency behind in the very capable hands of my partner, Alex, who continued to, to operate the company. And I moved to New York and, and joined Glossier as the first technology hire there. Um, where I spent the next four years uh, continuing to build out that technology stack that we had put in place and alongside of it, a technology team. Um, I left Glossier in early 2019. Um, at that point, the company had scaled from zero to well into the nine figures of revenue. The technology team had scaled as well. I think we were we were nearly 70 people um, all in when, when I left. Um, and I left alongside of Henry Davis. Uh, he and I had were really proud of the work that we had done at Glossier. The company was was set up and was was doing fantastic things. And we went off to start a new company together, uh, essentially a portfolio of brands company that we called Arfa. We saw this sort of like next wave of commerce emerging, um, a next wave of commerce where brands could be built and 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 powered by slightly leaner teams that um, still had access to sort of best-in-class technology. And so as, a, as an engineer, um, an opportunity to build a technology stack that is completely greenfield, those opportunities don't come along um, all that often. And so I had an opportunity to take those all of those years of experience I had on the, the front lines of, of agency and then the, the four plus years that we had really seeing what it takes to build a, uh, a scale direct-to-consumer best-in-class stack at, at Glossy and do it all again for, for ARFA. So uh, the, the idea there was we were going to launch multiple brands that we were co-creating with the same constituents that would um, end up buying the products. Um, so we built this, uh, this technology stack in, in 2019. Um, ARFA came to market publicly in early 2020. We launched two of our um, brands that we created uh, later on that year. And it's at that point um, that we realized that, well, a couple of things. Um, as it turns out, we the the first brand we launched was during the weekend where the the, the first lockdown of the pandemic happened. Um, it's a bad time to launch a brand. As it turns out, people are quite distracted. There's it's hard to get eyeballs on something that's brand new. And and Henry and I sort of like had a really honest discussion about like you know where we where we saw the future. We had created two brands we're really proud of. We had also created a technology stack that was starting to get a, a, a lot of inbound interest from other founders who were curious about this data-first approach that we had taken um, and how we were using that data to, to build better brands. And so I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Uh, we, we decided at that point that to, to cease the brand building um, side of the operation and really go all in on this technology stack that we had created. And, and as a lot of startups do, we pivoted. And so in mid-2020, we moved away from the brand creation, um, and we went all in on this stack. Uh, we decided to change the company's name to avoid confusion. Uh, we raised a Series A, and in early 21, we come to market as just the technology stack uh, rebranded as, as Cord Commerce. And so that's a, a bit of my background, so agency to in-house, to startup, to pivot, uh, really feel like I've spent the last 20 years, you know, really understanding what digitally native brands need to be successful um, and have sort of crystallized all of that learning and mistakes and thinking and iteration and testing into what is now in market as, as Core Commerce, which is an API first 
data first commerce as a service technology platform for quickly growing um quickly growing growing brands you know the the brands that we sort of see as being the 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 brands that are ushering in this this next wave of of direct to consumer uh, i don't know if we're on dc 3.0 or or 4.0 at this point but but really ambitious risk taking brands that that want to use data to create better experiences um, that's that's really what cord has been engineered for great and um i guess that that's all really interesting um the platform space is obviously or like there's been a lot of new entrants in the platform space over the last probably three or four years but even more so the last kind of couple of years um what was the gap that you saw with cord and how did you intend to build something different to the likes of shopify or big commerce or commerce tools or what yeah yeah those those are all i mean those are all amazing names and and more often than not when i have this conversation i think we, we sort of conflate point solution with platform um you have not you've done a great job of listing you know uh, platforms that are actually platforms that can power your your commerce business um they are primarily focused on the back office the order management system the cart service and and make no mistake about it that's that's incredibly important but then there's the entire data side of things and so i think like in our experience what ends up happening is you you have a front end um and most of those platforms too that you listed were created 10 or 15 years ago before the idea of being data first or even API first was a consideration and so they've all done a good job of, of sort of reinventing themselves or adding a, adding APIs so that developers can be a little bit more um free uh, uh when it comes to the front end side of things and the you know we're seeing this whole movement towards decoupling of the front end from the back end so a move away from being entirely monolithic but there still hasn't been a platform that has made it easy for you to collect data from a singular source um to wrangle that data from the different point solutions that are now going to be a, a part of your technology stack organize that data into a data warehouse and then give it back to you in a way where you can actually derive some meaningful insight use that insight to end up creating better um, experiences on the front end so big commerce shopify commerce tools all do a really fantastic job of being order management systems and being cart services they're essentially hands off when it comes to comes to data any data that is not transactional data um, and so there were like most of the reporting and analytics that will be available from these platforms are all going to be primarily focused on transactional data and it left to and that leaves brands to figure out the behavioral data like that that really rich clickstream of data that i gives you insight into the customer's journey not just the customer's journey on your brand.com but but across um all of those channels and the world that we live in today is a world where first party data is the name of the game you know there was this era maybe the last 4 or 5 years where you didn't have to be very good at data and you know as long as you were good at spending money on facebook sort of like poured that money in the top of the 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 customer tree and which was facebook and sort of customers fell out of the bottom um and so you didn't really focus on data but that that era that window is is largely closed and and brands are need to now think on their feet and and brands that haven't necessarily made that investment yet in understanding their data having a strategy to to collect that data to protect that data and to derive insight from it are are looking for solutions and you know we really believe that that solution is core so long-winded answer to i think a really important question what makes us different it's this really this focus on data um and still showing up with all of the the necessities to be a commerce platform so you know we have created our own order management system we have created our own um 
stable of front-end SDKs that allow developers to build these really brand-forward, completely headless experiences that are entirely data-instrumented. So it is a, I think, a commerce stack that is, that is more an acknowledgement of where the market is today. Um, and that is both a platform that provides data-first access, but also API-first access. Great. And um, so I guess this is quite unique. And um, when I first spoke to your colleague, Ivan, um, that was definitely the thing that I guess stood out to me. And it took me a while to kind of understand uh, how it worked. So can you just talk us through kind of how it works in practice? So you've obviously kind of got the BI or kind of data warehousing side. Like, is that completely independent of the platform or is it, you know, all kind of housed within the admin? Like, how does it work for the end user? Yeah, it's it's all it's all part of the one one stack and I, and I think if you know it's been great to see how commerce stacks have evolved over the last 10 years there's there's more fantastic point solutions available to to commerce entrepreneurs than ever before but that also means you're operating your business and you know maybe you have 10 browser tabs open and each one of those browser tabs are telling you a little something about about your business the data is probably being represented slightly differently across. And sometimes that can lead to more questions than actual answers. So at Core, the this sort of our flagship product is the Core Commerce Hub. And that's where you we collect all the different integrations you have. That's where that's your interface into our data warehouse. And that's where you see the analytics tool. Um, so all of your data in one place, neatly organized, um, given back to you in terms of dashboards that allow you to very quickly understand how your business is doing, but then really rich, powerful data explorers behind um, all of those all of those dashboards for the data curious person or people in your organization to be able to to explore um, and and ultimately go even deeper. There's a lot of sort of key pieces of infrastructure that make that possible um, for us, pieces of infrastructure that now find their way into the modern commerce stack and that are can be easy to buy and difficult to implement. And, and I think that there's been an awful lot of discussion around headless commerce, um, and there's not a, a really sort of like a great definition of headless. Uh, I, I think that there are a lot of brands that have tried um, somewhat unsuccessfully because it's not a matter of just choosing the right solutions. It's that connective tissue that brings them all together that is arguably the, the most difficult thing to get right um, when it comes to headless. I really think that the way that the cord stack has been architected and the tools that we have makes the, the jump to headless or the jump to something less monolithic, um, like completely de-risked to the point where you don't need uh, a head of technology or a CTO to choose these tools and to put them all together. You know, Cord's largely done that for you. Um, so in our stack, like I said, the aforementioned SDK, um, so the suite of JavaScript tools that developers are going to use to create these commerce experiences, think of them more as a uh, a collection of commerce components that you need to put together. It's not WYSIWYG. Um, I don't think you can WYSIWYG your way to sophisticated commerce, honestly. And the key component in that the, those SDKs is the interface to our customer data platform. So Cord has developed over the last three years a proprietary commerce tracking plan. So I think um, to, to date, we have 60 plus um, events uh, that are all instrumented and included in those commerce components. So if, if you have ever been on a front-end engineer and uh, left with the responsibility of doing all of that data tagging, not just coming up with the event names, but the payload that all of your different destinations are, are going to require, like that's really key to you being able to collect um, 
a, a really like a complete picture of what's happening across your your commerce channel. So Court completely takes that off the table. You know, you use our SDKs, you are collecting all of the information that you're going to need to power our dashboards. And our dashboards have been created with knowledge of that data that we're collecting on the front end. So it, it's really sort of full circle. So we have that SDK that's collecting all the information. It's delivering that information to our customer data platform. That's really the sort of like the hub for data. Um, that gets persisted to our data warehouse, and that's really where our data team goes to work. So we have a data modeling layer that's that's built on top of that, that's taking all of that behavioral data that we're capturing, plus the transactional data that we have access to, and we're, we're stitching it together in a way that makes sense for reporting. So it's not just about how many orders have hit your database, like we want to be able to report back on attribution, where we're seeing this these the, the traffic coming from, which channels are performing the best, which promotions are, are performing the best, what review is driving the most amount of views, what does the product journey look like? So putting all of that together in a, in a sort of like a neatly organized analytical data layer that our dashboards are built on top of, but that we invite customers to explore. So the way that it works is it starts with the front-end tools and it runs all the way through our data infrastructure, culminating in the dashboards that we end up giving back to our customers. Um, that makes sense. So I just wanted to dig a little bit on that. So I guess um, a lot of our clients um, would have a BI platform and the main focus of that would be more transactional, I guess. And then yep. a lot of that stuff they'd be trying to do via either kind of more premium third parties or GA. So I think that uh, sounds really cool. And the other thing is, I think of the headless builds that I've worked on, analytics can be a lot more challenging, um, particularly with GA. Um, yeah. That stack. So um, I guess it'd be interesting to understand what so like what are some of the unique data points that you have on the kind of front end side via the SDK um, that maybe a lot of people wouldn't potentially have blended in with transactional data? Yeah, I mean, I, I think about the the entire clickstream. So the you know your ability to when you think about GA Universal. Um, was largely an analytics tool built around page views. And, you know, suddenly like the track event shows up and it, it developers are starting to add more and more of those events. But then you're, you're sort of wondering like, what events matter? You know, like, so what is my journey through your site? Did I read a review? Did I open a review? Did I add something to my cart? Did I look at a different color way? Did I apply, did I apply a promotion? Did I add something to a waiting list? Did I subscribe to a product? Like every single commerce action that you take through a cord instrumented front end is going to is going to be collected. So if you do choose to use GA and that is one of the destinations that we can deliver data to, that they the GA just suddenly gets better. Um, but you know everything else that we're going to deliver that data to relies on that that, that those exact same um, those exact same events. I, I see in your background, Clavio as an example. Like Clavio is a destination that a lot of our our commerce customers are using um, as their email service provider. But we don't have a direct integration with Clavio. Instead, we collect those those same behavioral events that we're going to deliver to GA so that GA can go and do its do its job. We're going to do the same thing with Clavio. So if you're now a marketer and you log into Clavio, you can create segments. So show me everyone who viewed this colorway. And added it to their cart, but didn't check out. And now if I want to do a sort of like a, a win back campaign, I'm able to do that as opposed to sort of just have, needing to rely on out of the box events that are based on transactional data. I now have that, that entire sort of like rich click stream of data. So I can do an awful lot more. Um, and the, the idea of collecting it in one singular place and syndicating it to your different destinations means that your entire business is on that same page sort of saying like, I have some data over here, I have some data over there, I have some data over there, but I'm not sure what I can rely on. Um, 
how it's been how it's been instrumented you know how has this been calculated so it's it's moving it one level up and and just really getting everyone on that same page that makes sense and i think um the bit that's quite uh interesting to me is having all of that kind of um i guess reference architecture built in from the start because typically like we'll you know see people have loads of tracking issues and you know i guess like core issues that come from like releases and everything else and also like every analyst or front-end dev resource is a bottleneck and people have backlogs etc so it's quite interesting yeah Yeah, having that as like a more of a core part of the architecture um i guess moving on to the kind of the platform itself so can you just talk us through what an average so in terms of kind of that front-end piece in particular what is the average tech stack look like like what are most people kind of building into the front end tech stack yeah so so um, starting with like our our front end sdks are um entirely written in javascript they are they're react based today and so you have a choice of using you know cord plus gatsby or cord plus next those are the, the two frameworks that that we support and then you can use Cord's um, commerce APIs and order management system, or you can use Shopify storefront API and order management system. Both have been abstracted away, um, I should say, in the SDK. So if you're a developer on Cord and you're you're implementing the add to cart action, you don't know whether those add to cart events are creating an order in Shopify or or Cord's OMS. It's it, it, we're sort of agnostic um, at that point. So you don't need much else beyond that because we have we're delivering the customer data platform and you have your order management system. But if you want to complete the the sort of like the commerce stack, so I start thinking about those like best in class um, third party uh, integrations or point solutions you might want. Um, you know we're going to see Clavio an awful lot. I think it's like Clavio or um, Iterable or Braze. Those are the three sort of um, marketing platforms, uh, market marketing messaging platforms. We're going to see an awful lot. SMS in the last couple of years is becoming incredibly important. So attentive and emotive are um, two of the more common destinations that we're going to see. I, I, I think it's important before I, I can keep listing some others as well. The court front ends don't have direct integrations with those. And so so for, you, you asked like some commerce events before. Um, subscribe to an email newsletter. You know, that's an event that we're going to capture. So like our front end admits that event, it goes into our customer data platform. And depending which destination you have configured, we're going to deliver that event to Clavio or we're going to deliver that event to Iterable. Um, if you want to have a bake-off between the two, you, we can deliver events to the two of them. If you want to replay events after three months to any one of those that you've decided to sign up for, like, well, that that's possible as well. Um, so the, the commerce stack, I think those point solutions evolve over time, like your commerce stack evolves over time as your business needs mature or change. And you should be able to do that without having to throw everything out um, or without having to, I don't know, add an, another arbitrary piece of third-party JavaScript. I don't I don't like that. I think that, that tends to, to sort of slow down the front end. So we see GA an awful lot. Uh, we're seeing an awful lot of uh, brands moving to to GA4. There's there's a learning curve there. Certainly, I think um, our front end tracking plan is better suited to GA4 than it is to to GA Universal. Um, so then there's help desk um, platforms that normally are going to be going to be a part of a commerce stack. You know, the the most popular that we see um, depends. I think it's the traffic is equally split between sort of customer. Gorgeous and, and Zendesk. Um, Gorgeous has come on really strong um, of late, um, and but you know we've got 
meaningful amount of experience with with both Zendesk and 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 customer and then finally some of the 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 conversion um like the ad platforms the facebooks the googles and the tiktoks uh, i think what what we try to do a, a little bit differently is is to deliver those events both server side and client side so in a world where um client side cookie blocking is 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 more uh, prevalent than ever before making sure that the events that we have the right to deliver um get delivered to the right place so that the attribution is happening and and marketers know which channels are performing um and how to allocate those uh, th- their marketing dollars that makes sense and um yeah i think it'd be interesting at some point to go into a bit more i'd love to have a play around with some of this stuff as well particularly like that data side and seeing kind of like yeah what endpoints you have and everything else um I guess the next question I've got here. So on your site, you talk a lot about subscriptions. Um, yeah. I'd imagine you've probably done quite a lot of uh, quite a lot with subscriptions based on some of the brands you've worked with. Um, is this is this kind of I guess is it a native part of the platform? Um, yeah. Or more partnering with kind of one or more of the vendors, and then I guess that's usually probably one of the more challenging, or not necessarily challenging, but more complex areas to report on. It'd be interesting to know kind of how much of a part of kind of your native data side that is as well yeah that's a a great question Um, and i think like a nice way to sort of to articulate one of course value props like when we talk about a feature we're talking about a full stack feature so if you're using core's order management system and our commerce apis subscription is is a native part of the platform it's it's what we call sort of a commerce primitive i think you know What's happened over the last 10 years is as these commerce platforms have matured, like brands have matured or or their technology needs have sort of outpaced the roadmaps of some of the older platforms. And what that's resulted in is this sort of like the number of new companies that exist to sort of just plug the holes um, left behind in, in, in some of these in some of these other platforms like holes like subscription or bundling or international um, th- these are all things that from day one we've decided needed to be primitives that that we made available um, both in terms of support in the SDK support in our content management layer support in our um, our APIs and then on our data models as well so that you know if you're if you build a subscription, program on top of Quartz tools and you log into our into our data tool like you're you're you get cohorting right away um you get net revenue retention right away like it, instead of like oh i can add this subscription with this interval into my cart and i can put it into the order management system great that's a fantastic start but how are those subscriptions performing um how can you tell the difference between a product that is subscribed to and that is just an a la carte purchase how do you think about the merchandising decisions that go into that so we're big believers in subscription uh we've invested a, a ton into our own subscription apis and the tooling around that and then and ultimately the reporting and there's no better way to learn the what data matters than by having brands these our early beta brands building ambitious subscription programs and then telling us you know where they're getting great insight from the dashboards that we make available and we have a whole suite of subscription dashboards that are available today we have a long list of uh, like our roadmap for subscription reporting is robust because we have a number of brands that are pushing us for more um we're we're constantly learning through through their experiences with the platform. Um, and, and from day one, being able to support a cart that contains multiple subscriptions and a la carte purchases, like that's just 
how we see the future, which should be as, as friction-free as possible for your end customer um, and easy to manage. And that, that does become more problematic as you're sort of chaining different point solutions on, on top of your commerce stack, almost in like a paint-by-numbers type way, as opposed to really building with, with a suite of tools that have been engineered to work together. Um, we just think that that's, that's just a better way to do it. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. That makes sense. Um, and I guess the next question, uh, so I'd imagine you will pretty frequently be kind of compared against uh, the core kind of SaaS platform. So BigCommerce, Shopify, uh, yep. maybe the others that aren't SaaS, et cetera. Um, but when you do look at those SaaS ones, most common kind of area of complaint or maybe area that's still not super mature is the multi-store piece. Um, yeah. Does this side work record? And then maybe as as kind of part of the same answer, if you can give us a bit of an overview on kind of like the core commerce areas, like catalog management um, or PIM, inventory management, yeah. management, you've mentioned a few times, all of that side. Like, how do you compare on some of those core areas? Yeah. Uh, okay. Great question. We we have one uh, c- company that's launching on the platform in the next. They they soft launched uh, last week. They are the one of the first to really test the limits of of multi store, um, and and the way that we built it. If you, you remember that long winded origin story that I told you about Arfa, so our like the the premise behind Arfa was that we were a multi brand um, holding company. Essentially, we weren't acquiring brands. We were creating the brands, and we were launching those brands on top of shared infrastructure. And we wanted each one of those brands to be managed by a single brand manager. But as a portfolio company, we wanted to have visibility across our entire portfolio. So think of me as a super user. I log into our data dashboards. I see how everything is working. I see all of the data, but I'm also able to filter it on a per brand basis. And now drill down into the brand manager. I log in. I'm brand, I'm manager of brand X. I just see my data. And the order management system was built that way as well. So like this idea of multi-store, multi-brand, um, was built into our, our commerce tools as early as day one. You know, that was that was one of our requirements. One of the reasons we decided to build our own commerce stack as opposed to working with Shopify. Um, so, okay, that's rewind back to the origin story. So like, it's really important to us that we do this right. I think the the future of commerce is, is a world that is that is more omnichannel than ever before. And so that might mean running multiple storefronts. That means your, your data, your content being syndicated wherever your customers are. We have a, a, a beauty brand that has soft launched on the platform that has three different brands. And so what they wanted is they wanted to have a sort of a marketplace. So their parent company being that um, one shopping experience where you can see all of the different brands, but then each brand having its own storefront and each brand having an opportunity to cross-sell uh, or cross-promote products from the other brands. And they had built three separate experiences on Shopify for each one of the their the sort of the, 
the children brands, but they didn't have the, the marketplace place solution. Um, and so as these brands grew, and they're doing a meaningful amount of revenue now, they were, you had three different code bases, you had three different Shopify backends, um, it was getting complicated and expensive for them to manage. And the, you know, they were able to do some of these, um, th their goals, but largely through creative hacks. And, and, and I think like, that's not how you go from being a $20 million business to a $200 million business. At a certain point, you can't creatively hack your way into that. Start so like, okay, we've proved that this, this concept works. It's time for us to invest in technology that we won't out-sophisticate. And so they've moved to court. Um, we're working on getting all of those brands launched on top of um, our stack. They have a single OMS instance. So all of the orders captured from those three sub-brands appear in one place. Um, they have one single code base for the front end and the content management system allows them to control the presentational layer, control the catalog, um, all from a single place. And, and if they want to add, add a fourth brand, a fifth brand, a sixth brand, um, they're able to do just that. And so like we, we big believers in that we're big believers in not having a single solution. Like, honestly, I think it's about having infrastructure that is open-ended and providing pathways, um, providing best practices for, for how you can ultimately do it. But I don't think that there's necessarily a templated approach to multi-brand or multi-store. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a non-answer. Like it's, it's built on top of Cord, and we're seeing a number of examples, even brands that are have a um, multiple stores built on top of their OMS, one for their direct-to-consumer channel, one for their wholesale channel. So they have a wholesale portal that it, that is built that is a very bespoke experience um, or a POS channel. Um, th this is this is all an entirely possible. Um, I want to talk for a sec about content management and PIM as well. Um, you asked the question, and I think the the multi-store example is 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 a is a good use case for this. But what we do differently than, than I think any other platform that is playing in the headless space is we turn the content management system into a PIM. And, and so if you're maintaining a headless commerce build today, it, it probably more closely resembles what I call the two-headed monster. So you have a headless content management system like Sanity or Contentful, and you've got brand content in there, and maybe even a little bit of like product decoration content, but you're still maintaining your product catalog directly in your commerce platform. Call it like Shopify or big commerce. So think about a new, a new brand launch or a new product launch. And if you're like a, a small team, you're a com your commerce manager is in your content management system, adding some content, and then you're jumping back over to this, this other system and you're making sure the product is ready to go. And now you're ready to launch and you've got to hit, got to have two fingers ready for, to hit the launch button. Like one, publish these new products and then boom, publish these new contents. Um, the front end needs to stitch all that together. And then, you know, you're, you're off to the races. I don't think that's any better, actually. I think that that, that is introducing unnecessarily, unnecessary complexity. So if you're a digitally native brand, our argument is your product content is brand content and it deserves to be managed alongside of all of your other brand content. And so we have maintained and what we have created and now maintain our own content models that turn your content management system into the PIM. So now if you're working on a new release, your all of your catalog is in your content management system, your merchandising, all of those decisions are made there. And then we synchronize the bare minimum attributes from your CMS to the, the platform so that the cart service works, but we be otherwise believe in having that single source of content truth. At a certain point, um, a certain level of catalog complexity, it makes sense to introduce a first-class PIM, um, and that can be plugged into our infrastructure. 
But more often than not, I think you'd be surprised at how big your catalog needs to be before the the extra weight of a PIM um, makes sense. You know, one of the advantages of, of moving to something like a contentful or sanity and, and using our content models to, to manage your product catalog is internationalization is built into how these headless content management systems work. And so set up the right way that can be incredibly flexible and incredibly powerful for you to have that single source of truth of for content in your organization. And in this acknowledgement of the omnichannel world that we live in, it's very easy to syndicate that content everywhere, as opposed to needing to wrangle it from two, three, four, five systems. That makes sense. And um, yeah, we actually do. I do have one client that does something quite similar with Contemptful. Um, and they're not actually headless, but they um, they have a fair few Shopify instances. And it is quite an interesting approach. Um, yeah. It's just on the international piece. So um well, I was going to ask about um, in terms of kind of like the ability, if you've got multiple international stores, to be able to kind of like trade certain aspects of the site um, at like a global level versus kind of like yeah. a, a child store level or um, kind of yeah. Like I mean that this is actually this is a, a really interesting talk track though because there's there's many different ways there, there's a lot of a lot of building blocks of international. You know, you can think about a store having multiple stores where each store represents a different country, but it, it, you might have find yourself in a situation where you want to have multiple stores, but also each store having multiple locales. Um, it really depends on the business and it depends on what their content translation strategy is going to be, what their currency strategy is going to be. Like there's a, we have this like laundry list of questions that we'll ask brands when they think about, we want to sell internationally. What does that mean? You know, how many different fulfillment centers are you going to have? Who's going to be the merchant of record? Uh, what are you, how are you thinking about tax calculation? Are you doing DDP shipping? So sometimes you'd be like, I'm just looking for this like turnkey international solution. There's no such thing. You know, when you when you really start pulling at those threads, businesses have to make a number of different decisions. And we, you know, I I think the the right way to start shipping internationally or or um, expanding your business internationally is like crawl, walk, run. Um, you know, which markets are actually going to work? Which markets make sense for you to to sort of invest in? And to get crawl, walk, run right, making sure that the you get started with a solution that allows you to get to market really simply, but doesn't hold you back six months from now or a year from now or two years from now when you're like, oh, this is really a thing and I want to go, like that's that's key to it all. Um, but it's one of these things like I, I think we sometimes there's this belief that commerce is a solved problem. And like, what is my international solution? Like commerce is not a solved problem. It, it continues to evolve. And I think if you you look at your technology solution as sort of like a necessary evil, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Like just reaching for a point solution means inevitably you're going to have to bend your business to the will of the sort of the off-the-shelf solution that you chose, as opposed to making really smart investments that allow you to get to market quickly, but that you can continue to, to evolve without becoming a massive technology company. That's not what I'm ad advocating for either. But I, I think like we live in this era where you can make these really smart infrastructure decisions, have a lean team or have a fantastic partnership with, with agencies that can use those tools to really make, make sure that the commerce stack is bending to the opportunities of your business as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that that's one of the biggest areas of our business. We do quite a lot around kind of like architecting, like complex international like shop files. Yeah. And, and even that solution that you, you mentioned before, like the way you're using Contentful to syndicate content between those multiple instances, I think that's really interesting. Like that to me is like, forget headless. I, I can't stand the the, the term because it, it means nothing, um, but composable commerce. And so you're sort of saying, okay, well, you know, we think Shopify is the right 
um, OMS for these businesses, but like actually managing your your product catalog directly um, in multiple instances isn't going to scale very well. But what if you move it all to the content management system, and then you've got infrastructure that synchronizes? Like that's composable. I think that's a really interesting solution to what sounds like a, like a complex problem. I like it because we've gone in a similar direction, but I just think it's not about headless or versus monolithic. It's about like, you know, using the, the making the right technology choices, smart investments, giving the platform responsibilities for things that it's really good at, but then create creating that connective tissue. You know, that that's where like that that's where you can really accelerate. Um you can really accelerate what's possible um, by by making those smart choices. And it sounds like your team has done just that. Yeah, makes sense. Um, great. And then I guess last few questions. So you've talked a little bit about this and how a lot of your kind of integrations with technology partners maybe kind of deviate away from standard integrations or at least a lot of your events are used. Um, is part of your kind of longer term go-to-market strategy to have pre-built integrations that are maybe built on top of that SDK? Yeah. So, so great question. Um, and the answer is yes. You know, we, uh, as I mentioned before, we provide the customer data platform layer. You know, that's really where we re- we collect, but then transform and relay um, most of these events. And we've created a whole library of our own uh, bespoke, what we call sources and destinations. So sources for data that are going to be very commerce specific, and then destinations where the the generally available catalog of destinations didn't fit weren't fit for purpose or weren't fit for commerce purpose. And so when you onboard today uh, as a court customer, we ask you what you want your technology stack to look like. You know, we take care of 80% of it, but that last 20%, those are those point solutions. And we don't want you to just add the JavaScript. We really want those to be API first integrations for, for a number of reasons. Um, performance, you know, I think most importantly, data governance, consent management, these are these sort of like scaled problems that you don't really on day one, uh, understand that you're going to have that that we can that we can ultimately solve for you um the ability for us to to have give you raw data access to all of those events as well so that if you don't make uh, the choice that you love on day one being able to remake that choice 60 days down the road and replay all of those events to that to that choice I think is is really powerful so um yes um you know in addition the the ability within core to create what we're calling audiences. So you sort of say, okay, I've identified um, these different traits and and customers that have those different traits I want to put into an audience and I want to be able to syndicate those audiences to the, the different destinations that I have configured is, is also a part of um, a future product offering that that's, that's going to be made available in beta um, in, in not too long. So yeah, I mean, it's it, when I describe it, I'm trying to be careful. It sounds it sounds a little bit monolithic. I think in terms of a data stack, it, it is somewhat monolithic. But our ability to syndicate those those data events out and, and have them be really coordinated really affords you a, as a brand built on core just a ton of optionality um, in the future to not have to have your own data team to not spend any amount of time doing data cleaning or data engineering, but re, you know, really largely rely on our infrastructure and to be able to to be creative with with where you want that data to go. That makes sense. Um, And then loosely related, so um, another thing that really impressed me about Cord was some of your SI partners, so um, particularly Van and Tomorrow, two agents. I really respect from a technology perspective. Um, What's the goal here? And, you know, a lot of our listeners are kind of, uh, other kind of e-com agencies like are you planning on building out the partner network like what type of partners are you working with yeah kind of what's the strategy on that 
Yeah, I'm blown away by the quality of partners that we have today. Um, you know, the, these partners that I think are on the forefront of the modern commerce stack that they're, they are, are always looking to, to be better. They're always looking to deliver more value to, to their customers. They're really pushing us to be better. Again, going back to my origin story, um, I spent like the, the agency that I started was a company called Dynamo. And it's it lived on for 18 years. And um, 18 years in agency land is a really long time. I think it would still be open today had we not sold the agency. And so, you know, we we were acquired and it's it's why um it no longer exists. And and when I was at that agency, you know, we we really prided ourselves in understanding what the our customers were trying to achieve and then designing solutions that we thought were the right solution for the problem. And Instead of sort of saying like, look, we do one thing, like we have one technology stack that we work with. And if you work with us, you need to work on that technology stack. And I think that the 20, roughly 20 agency partners that we have today are not um, dogmatic about one stack. You know, they, they really treat their customers in the way that I think I really used to treat, treat our customers, which is like understanding their needs and helping them design a technology stack that get, lets them get to market quickly, deliver value quickly, but that gives them plenty of optionality um, in the future. And, and so where we're really, I think, meeting some of these agencies is really around the data product. Um, the Anyone can choose a really great front-end tool and, and build a, a pixel-perfect per, and performant front-end. And the agencies that we're working with are incredibly capable of doing that. And it's on the data side of things. Like The data side has always been more of a gray area if you're an agency. So you build a, a site that works, that is beautiful. Um, and then your customer on three days after launch is like, well, how's it performing? And then you're the agency, you're like, check GA. Um, I don't think that's good enough. And, and so to be able to give, if you're an agency that is building on core and to be able to give your customer a really like best in class data stack on day one, when they say like, how's it doing? You're like, well, you've got your dashboards and like, we're, we're looking at these dashboards together. And I think that's been, that's been really interesting. And, you know, if, you, if you're an agency, you've got an, an, a lot to worry about, enough to worry about. Um, it like from an economics point of view, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense for you to go in and create all of that data infrastructure. And the, the, the likely the customer that you're working with doesn't have a team that is going to maintain that complex data infrastructure. And, and we're able to just provide that to them in a way that is turnkey is has really been a win win. But I'm uh, I'm incredibly proud of the the agency partnership program. Like I, I think that's Cord's most important channel. Um, if I'm completely honest, then I mean, nothing makes me happier because that's where I came from. And it's really this acknowledgement. I, I, I sort of joked before, is it DTC 3.0 or 4.0? Regardless of whatever point it is, the, the direct-to-consumer companies, the digitally native brands that are going to lead the charge of the future aren't going to have huge technology teams, but they are going to use sophisticated technology. And a lot of times the relationship to that sophisticated technology is going to run through agencies. And I want to work with the best agencies and, and I want them to want to work with Core. Them already in the 18 months that we've been working with agencies, the amount of feedback that we've received, the amount of um that they've pushed our product roadmap has been has been fantastic. Um, so much so that we have agencies that are delivering customers to us. And like that's that's what we want to have happen. There's no better sort of stamp of approval that we delivered a customer to them. They enjoyed the experience so much that they deliver a customer back to us, where they say, like, we we found this platform that we love to work with, that we that we think like lets us deliver faster, um, that you're really going to enjoy joy using. And you know, that's that's what really what makes the ecosystem um that's what makes the ecosystem work.
Absolutely. Um, and then two more questions. So what's on the roadmap for the remainder of this year and probably more so next year? Like what are some of the bigger things you're working on as a platform? Yeah, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, but most of it runs through data. So we've spent like the first two and a half years getting to this place where we can collect and organize and, and present back to our brands all of their data in a, in a ready-to-explore format that is on top of which we're delivering um, analytics. And now taking that to the next level um, in terms of being able to deploy ML and AI-based models to be able to do things like predictive lifetime revenue. So if you're a brand that's on top of Cord and you want to get more sophisticated um, in your messaging and, and some of these audience building tools that I talked about before, being able to, to tap into some of these models. So our ability to collect really uniform data across the platform are going to give our brands a an unfair advantage when it comes to scale. So they aren't, I mean, we said before, they're not going to build big technology teams. They certainly aren't going to build big data science teams. So being able to give you really sophisticated data science models out of the box that are relying on all of the different signals that we're seeing across the platform is a huge focus of ours. Um, CAC um, uh, prediction, uh, cohort analysis, um, suggesting bundling, um, making you smarter at terms of merchandising. And I, I said earlier in the call, I, I don't think you can WYSIWYG your way into sophisticated commerce. I don't think you can be entirely data-driven either. And I don't think the brands that we're working with want to be Amazon, but we want to give the com those commerce operators data superpowers. So you know, our ability to be able to tell you that you should run an A-B test on something, our ability to be able to generate the B test for you and say, okay, you know, we, you know, this is loosely what we think it should look like. We're going to suggest some copy for it, but we want you to go in and complete it. Like that's what we, we, that's what's on our roadmap. Um, that's what we, we sort of describe as data superpowers so that you're just like things are better and easier for you if you're working with Cord, but you're not completely hands off. You know, the reason you started the, the business that you started is because you love building brands. You love connecting with your audiences. And we just want to accelerate those efforts. So it's, it's largely the, the data sophistication that we're able to, to deliver on now, given the quality of data that, that we're collecting and that is sitting in our data warehouse. And it's, it's what we've internally, we refer to as smart commerce. Um, so how do we take that data? organize it and give it back to you in a way that you can very quickly act on it. Um, and so we're hard at work at, in publishing, you know, what the roadmap, the future roadmap looks like so that, you know, uh, people can get excited about it, uh, both our customers and our agency partners and, and our internal team as well. You know, it, it's this sort of like this planting that, um, putting that stake in the ground and saying like, you know, th this is, these, these are the features that we're delivering. Yeah, that's uh, it's really exciting. It's like you're going to end up being like a bit of a hybrid or kind of like in a bit of a Venn diagram with like a content square, like the normal platforms and then the BI platform. So, yeah, really interesting. Um, and then final question, just a quick one. So who are your two favorite customers or, or the kind of, you know, clients that you're most proud of that people listening can kind of go and check out? I <laughs> I love all my children equally, I think is the, the appropriate answer. Um, we uh, honestly, we've been, I'm, I'm thrilled with every single brand that is launched on the platform. You know, people uh, took a chance on us when, you know, we were a, a brand new company and uh, you know, I'll, example number one is, is brand called Caraway. Um, so carawayhome.com is the domain. And I like this story because I think it shows the 
what, when someone says, you know, what value am I going to recognize from court on day one? You know, like, well, it, it's not just about what we're going to deliver on day one. You know, it's, it's what we can do for you on day on launch day, but what we can do for you 365 days from now. And for Caraway, they had scaled very, very quickly. Um, and, and I, I think it was time for them to reinvest in their front end infrastructure. So the, the front end was starting to slow down. They had, they weren't, being as consistent as they wanted to be in terms of in terms of data collection. So working with them to get the, the front end completely rebuilt on top of our tools and to stand up the, the core data stack. They, you know, that was really the focus last year, right ahead of Black Friday. And I should say, you know, like they were in super courageous. I think we ended up launching like two weeks before Black Friday and they went on to have just a massive Black Friday. And they the the advantages that they realized shortly after launch were, were largely around performance. So it, it, our front end was statically generated, um, neatly organized. We got rid of all of the um, extra third-party JavaScript. It was lean and mean and really performant. And, and that's exactly what they needed. But we very quietly were collecting now um, perfect data for them. Six months later, they're like, oh, now it's time for us to start looking at that data and, and start getting smarter about the data that we have so we can start making some of these, these like better informed decisions. So for me, in terms of like the life cycle of a customer, it's okay, well, having a, a commerce stack that is like easy for them to iterate, faster for them to deliver features to market, easier to, to do product launches, um, but then starting to reinvest in or to do a deeper dive into the data product is 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 the sort of like the perfect arc, um, I would say. And then also pointing to some of the these sort of uh, brand new. So, so Caraway was a pre-existing brand that moved over to Cord. And so they have they have sort of different needs. Then we have a, a, a number of brands that we call launch brands, where Cord is going to be their first data stack. So brands that didn't previously exist in market, um, brands like Maker Wine, brands like Goodles, which is the mac and cheese brand that is on the platform, August, which is a femcare brand. And, and they have all created really ambitious subscription programs that have pushed our subscription infrastructure faster, further um, than I thought was possible. And, and just to sort of see the results um, that they've been able to achieve in, in very short order has, has been um, absolutely fantastic. Lovely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I've gone through a few others on your site as well. You've got some really nice brands. Um, great. So I think that's all the questions that I had. Um, just lastly, if people listening kind of want to find out more about Cord, what's the best way to kind of get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, easiest way is on our website, cord.co. Um, there's a, a form that you can fill out. I, I promise it only takes a couple of seconds. It, it's quick and painless. And uh Easiest way for you to get a demo is, is to fill out that form. You can also send me an email. Um, I'm easy to reach as well, brian at cord.co. Always happy to, to talk to folks who are um, on the platform side, on the brand side, uh, that just want to want to talk shop um, or want to get a, a peek um, under the hood at Cord. Lovely. Great. Well, um, yeah, thanks again for coming on. And thanks to everyone else for listening. Um, as always, uh, please give us a like and follow on Spotify or YouTube or any of the other channels that are available on. And we will see you next week. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.